Hey, you're listening to Clumsy Theosis, a Catholic podcast that explores topics within the Catholic faith to help us deepen our spiritual lives, own our relationship with the Lord, and strengthen His church. Hello, my name is Rochelle Lucero, and I'm the host of the Clumsy Theosis podcast. I'm very glad to be recording this episode today. I came back from break two weeks ago, and then last week, there was no episode, but we had a family health emergency. You know, one of the members of my family was in ICU for a few days, and it really was an all-consuming experience for all of us, but praise God, it was a miraculous recovery, and they're home now. I sent out an email last Friday with that news and also some of the spiritual insights that I had because of that event. Yet another reason for you to get on my email list if you aren't already. You will get to know things. There's a link down in the show notes for you to sign up, or you can go to clumsytheosis.net and sign up for the newsletter there on the home page. But today, I want to talk about windows into heaven, spiritual passageways, thresholds to the spiritual, and doorways to the sacred. If you didn't know that this was a Catholic podcast, or you didn't know from experience of listening to this show that I am a sound, legit Catholic who sticks to the orthodox teachings of the church, you might hear that and think that this is some kind of new agey mumbo jumbo. Because without context, it kind of seems that way. But it's not. These are all metaphors or nicknames for iconography, which are also called icons for short. Iconography is a two-dimensional art form used in the religious art of Orthodox Christians and Eastern Catholics, and even in Roman Catholicism, um, but that was mostly before the Middle Ages. But icons are not just artistic representations of our faith that adorn our churches and our homes. So just a tiny bit of background about iconography. First, the person who is creating an icon is referred to as an iconographer, not an artist. And this is because icons are not considered art pieces to be admired, but they are aids for our prayer. And even when the icon is being made, the iconographer themselves is praying throughout the whole process. Now, I don't know all of the details, but I do know that there are very particular materials used by the iconographer, including types of pigments and tools. And from what I gather, everything has a very significant and particular meaning. Icons have this charismatic quality that causes them to hover between two worlds, rendering the invisible visible. And I don't know if that's what it is about them, but for whatever reason, icons have captivated me. But what is even more astounding is that you and I are intended to be icons. Icons of Christ, specifically. Most of what I have learned about icons, I have learned from Father Maximus Constus. He's actually an Orthodox priest. And he said that an icon is the means of a spiritual encounter and dialogue. It offers us the possibility of such an encounter because it shares in the holiness of the sacred figure whose likeness it bears. Dude, that's what we are called to if we are also intended to be icons. Because you are intended to be a window into heaven by the way that you live, love, and are a presence of Christ in the world. And when we use these metaphors about windows and thresholds and even doorways to talk about icons, 
it becomes very clear that one of the purposes of an icon is to transport us into a realm of spiritual experience. Icons, they go beyond our material world to show us the greatness and the perfection of the divine reality that is typically invisible to us. And if you get this, right, you understand what this means, but you still feel like you kind of need a little bit of a nudge to make sure that you really, really get it and it sinks in. Or if you're just one of those people who likes a good pop culture example to go with your theology, try thinking about Mary Poppins. When her and the children and Bert jump into the chalk drawing, everything that they encounter in that drawing is already there just waiting for them, even though the passerbys on the street can't see it. The difference between the passerbys and the people who actually get to enter into and engage with that chalk drawing is Mary Poppins. In order to get to that world that is waiting within, you need Mary Poppins. Just like we need the Holy Spirit to speak to us through those icons, right? We need the Holy Spirit to help us get into that space of entering into the heavenly realm and having that heavenly experience when we are meditating in front of icons. I think this sounds like a really cool soundbite, you know, to say like icons are windows and doorways and thresholds, and we're called to be that as well. And technically, we could just leave it there. But you know what? There's more. Not only are icons windows and doors, icons are also mirrors. They are not just representations of holy and divine figures, but also a reflection of what is present in you, as well as me, or what's not present within us. So let's step back and look at some of the physical characteristics of iconography and identify some of the analogous connections that could possibly transfer from the figures and icons to us. And I'll do this by looking at the facial features that we see in icons. And as I go through them, what I want to do is also ask some self-reflection questions, no pun intended. So let's look at some of the spiritual qualities that are actually written in these icons that are staring at you straight in the face that you might not necessarily know or pick up on and see which of them the Holy Spirit is inviting you to grow in. And again, I've learned most of this from Father Maximus Constus, and it is by no means an exhaustive list. So first I want to talk about the face positioning. Typically in an icon, the face of whatever figure um, is being depicted is going to be straight on. Like they're going to be looking at you square in the face, face forward. And this is supposed to represent the wholeness of the person. It also shows that they're ready to have a face-to-face conversation with you. If you happen to see a figure who you only see like the profile of their face, um, it's done on purpose. It's not very common, but this is supposed to show that the person is two-faced and maybe of two minds. Therefore, this is typically reserved for characters like Judas, characters who have broken communion with the body of Christ and effectively you because you are part of the body of Christ and therefore you're not being invited to commune with them because they're not part of the body. So as you look at the face of an icon, ask yourself, is wholeness a priority of yours? Remember, spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical, it's all connected and holiness also implies a complete integration of self. So all of these aspects of yourself need to be healthy and working in communion with each other. 
So starting from the top of the face with the eyes, they're usually oversized and large in icons. And the eyes are metaphors for knowledge and for understanding. And therefore, it makes sense that large eyes are going to mean an increase in those things, an increase in wisdom, and even in spiritual insight. So my question to you is, do you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Because remember, wisdom, knowledge, understanding, these are all gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? And also, what do you do with the things that you learn about the faith? Do you file away any spiritual insights or, you know, new knowledge about the faith? Do you file that away for the next time you're going to have a conversation with someone about the faith or some sort of, um, like, trying to put together a persuasive argument about the faith? Is that what you use your knowledge and spiritual insights for? Or do you also make use of it yourself in order to further your relationship with God? And that's what we try to do here on Clumsy Theosis. So if you're listening, I'm thinking that that's probably something that you do, but could you do it more? So next we have the ears. I've often wondered why the ears on figures in icons are either really large, like they're like huge, or poking out from underneath someone's hair or a veil. And I'm like, is that necessary? I mean, obviously there's lots of hair going on there. Those ears must be really big if they're poking out or that veil is very voluminous. Still, you have these ears poking out. Always wondered about that, but that's done on purpose because those who are holy are attentive to the word of God. They are also attentive to the cries of those in need. Jesus, Mary, the saints, the angels, they hear us. They, they are attentive to our cries here on earth. And also, large ears are not only for hearing the audible, but also for demonstrating an acute inner hearing that can also perceive the unsaid and the unconscious thoughts, right? So the Lord knows the thoughts of our hearts and things that we might not put into words specifically, but they're part of the heavenly hosts. They can, you know, Put two and two together better than we can. So how attuned are you to the quiet, still voice of the Lord? And do you give the Lord your time so that you can learn how to attune your ear to his voice better? Also, what about the cries of your neighbor? Are you in the practice of interceding on behalf of others? Even if they don't specifically ask you for your prayers, if you see there's a need, do you pick up that mantle and pray for them? All right, moving down the face to the nose. You'll notice that in most icons, the nose is very long and it's also very thin. And this is because those figures, those holy figures, are only inhaling the life-giving breath of the Holy Spirit. And I think that is so cool. And also, they can only smell the sweet fragrance of the heavenly sacrifice. So again, we have a Holy Spirit reflection question here. Is your life filled with the Holy Spirit, with his life-giving breath? Do you invite him into all of the moments of your day? If not, why not? I love the Holy Spirit. I have multiple episodes on the Holy Spirit. Too many to like even think of the names right now, but I will put those down in the show notes for you so that you can go ahead and listen to them at your leisure. If you feel like, you know, I don't have a strong enough relationship with the Holy Spirit or I don't really even know much about the Holy Spirit, that might be you. That's okay. We can still, you know, there's time to change that, time for you to learn and grow in communion with him. So I'm going to put those down in the show notes. All right, so let's move down to the last feature on the face, the mouth. In icons, the mouths are small and they're closed. And I say this with an air of 
comedy because I just am thinking about this icon as a reflection and I'm like, yeah, my mouth, not small, hardly ever closed. (laughs) But this is important for two reasons. One, it's supposed to encourage us because we have confidence that they're not going to laugh at us. They're not going to mock us. And it also reminds us that divine truth, the truth of God is often found in silence, right? In the silence of your prayer, the Lord will speak. So during your prayer time, are you doing more talking than listening or more listening than talking? For me, most of the time, I'm doing a lot of talking. And then I'm like, oh, I have to schedule like a follow-up session later on today to where I just listen. You know, the Lord knows that I'm working on this. We're working on it together. (laughs) At the top of this episode, I did say that you are called to be an icon and an icon of Christ specifically. But up until this point in the episode, I have pretty much been talking about icons in general and asking self-reflection questions. And I hope that you remember those elements of iconography and you get yourself an icon if you don't already have one and you gaze upon it during prayer. Um, I, I, I highly encourage it. But regarding being an icon of Christ specifically, you and I need to live out the Beatitudes. That needs to be our goal because the Beatitudes are the ways of those who live in the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is Jesus's kingdom. Therefore, he lives out the Beatitudes perfectly. And I already have a three-part series about this, and I'm going to link it down in the show notes for you if you haven't listened to it, if you want to listen to it again. I break down why this is and then each of the individual Beatitudes. I love it. This has been like, that was really probably the highlight of my year, like the best spiritual insight the Holy Spirit has given me all year. But I do want to wrap up a few things about iconography before we end. There's a few additional things that I think it's very important to talk about. However, I just mentioned being an icon of Christ, and that is in fact one of the titles of the Clumsy Theosis donation levels. So this is like the perfect opportunity for a Patreon plug. I mean, I'm not going to pass up this opportunity because Clumsy Theosis is 100% listener supported, right? So. If you would like to support the work of Clumsy Theosis because you feel it's of benefit to you and of the world, please go ahead and visit clumsytheosis.net and click the word donate in the menu. There's also a link down in the show notes for you. And yeah, if you don't know what Patreon is, it's a donation platform where you can donate to Clumsy Theosis either monthly or annually. And when you do that, you get exclusive perks from me in return. All right. But back to those important little tidbits I feel I still need to mention about iconography. First, you will not find shadows in icons. I mean, sometimes you will find an attempt at depth in clothing or in hair, but you won't find shadows. These figures will not cast shadows. And that's because the light of the saints, of the angels, of Jesus, and of Mary is the uncreated light of heaven. And I just think that's amazing. I don't really have any self-reflection questions for that. I mean, I guess off the top of my head, you know, you can ask yourself, how often do you walk in, in the uncreated light of heaven? Or how, how often are you making, you know, are you creating a spotlight on yourself through your own means? Also, typically the background is gold. I mean, I love gold, but I want to know why gold. Well, because the figures and icons are already in heaven, right? And so if you are passing through the icon, figuratively, of course, as you meditate and contemplate the divine truths of God, you are also stepping through into heaven 
to that heavenly realm, right? Which is depicted by gold, which is the most precious metal. And it also has a very luminous quality, right? So there's that uncreated light of heaven as well. Also, if you've ever noticed, icons look pretty similar to each other from their form and their color choices. They look pretty similar. No matter who the iconographer is, you will see most of all of the same elements, right? That's because iconography is not a place for artistic expression, but of communicating the dogmas of the faith. And just like the dogmas of the faith cannot be changed, neither can some of the icon elements. Icons are not works of art, but they are a witness that uses art to convey the truth, goodness, and the beauty of God. And they invite us to a new reality and they invite us to partake in a new creation with the Lord Jesus. And the Lord wants you to be that type of a living witness right? He wants you to invite the world to a new reality in him. And that's it. That's all I got to say about iconography for today. Again, not an exhaustive explanation, but I think it warrants some spiritual exploration. Until next week, there are links down in the show notes for episodes that I'm suggesting. Also for social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, you can find me at Clumsy Theosis. Or again, links down in the show notes. And also in the show notes, there's a link to sign up for the email list to get the weekly episode emailed to you and to get insider information as well as a link to donate. All right, until next week, peace out. Thank you for tuning in to Clumsy Theosis. I'm so happy that you've been able to hang out. If you want to learn more about Clumsy Theosis, you are more than welcome to visit my website, clumsytheosis.net. From clumsytheosis.net, you will also be able to contact me if you're interested in booking me as a speaker or if you're just feeling generous and you'd like to make a donation. Remember that together we can transform the world by letting the Lord transform us.